You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, we're going to talk again about this idea of truth, and uh, I'll just, again, want to do a little bit of quick review, but have some new things to get into today. Truth and the way that it's under attack and what our role is with it. So let me just go through a little bit of a uh, reminder with you. We started out emphasizing 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, where Paul said, among other things, that he was giving instructions so that the people of God, the household of faith, would know how they ought to behave. So truth is supposed to affect the way that we live, the way that we behave, the way that we think. And there is a right way for the people of God to live in the earth. And it is according to truth. And we looked at John chapter 17, verse 17, which was Jesus praying to the Father for us. And he said, sanctify them by your truth. And that the last couple of weeks, that your truth has really stood out to me. Truth belongs to the Lord. He is the author of truth. Truth is not an opinion. Truth is not just what we think it might be. Truth is not derived from our experiences. Our experiences can uh, be an illustration of truth or not be an illustration of truth. They can confirm truth sometimes, but it's but they're not the source of truth. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. They, they look at their experiences and decide what reality is. God's word is reality. That word truth means heavenly reality, spiritual reality unveiled and shown to us. So he said, sanctify them, set them apart. We've made this point over and over. We are supposed to be different because of our relationship with truth. Our lives are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be like the world. They're not supposed to agree with everything and with us, and we're not supposed to agree with everything in them. Truth is connected with the idea of kindness and love and the love of God throughout the scripture. So yeah, we get it. We're not supposed to be ugly with truth. We understand that, but truth is not flexible. It's not springy. It doesn't conform and change based on our opinions and what we want to think. It just doesn't work that way. Truth is truth. You either accept it or you reject it. Those are, those are the choices. When we accept it, it begins to work in our lives and change us from the inside and, and also change our our circumstances. And and Jesus said, your word, Father, is truth. So, you know, I always say it this way. Truth is what God has said. It's also who God is. He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But God's nature and what he says are always exactly in line with each other. So so we can see what truth is. We can receive truth in both of those areas. So then over in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, you know, if you're just joining us today, we've gone the last couple of weeks. You can find these teachings on YouTube or on our podcast. Uh, we've gone through all of these verses more in depth. But Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, Verses 31 and 32, he said to the Jews who believed in him. So these were believing Jews. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus said that truth that we know 
And again, the word know is that real intimate relational knowing. Truth that we have that kind of relationship with will set us free. It will liberate us from all kinds of bondage. And I want to emphasize this again today that there are all kinds of things we can be in bondage to that are not sin in and of themselves. It's just something that's gotten a hold of us and it's taking, it's directing things like how we use our time, the relationships we build, how we spend our money, um, where we live, just different. It's controlling our, those things are controlling our lives. They are the controlling factor in our lives. That's called an idol, by the way. But a lot of times there are things like that in our life and the Lord, over time, as we walk with him, as we live in his word, and we are his disciples, he will change those things on the inside of us. He'll bring truth, and he will change the desires of our heart, and we'll begin to live differently. We'll begin to desire something different than we used to, and we'll live differently, and we'll uh, adhere to and conform our lives to the truth, to God's reality, okay? And that part of it, I mean, sin is sin, and we can see what sin is, and, and that's to be avoided, and certainly in our training, the Lord will also remove sin from our lives. But there are all these other areas that are not inherently sinful. There's nothing wrong with them except that they have a bigger hold on your heart and your life than God does, and that makes it a problem, okay? And just about anything, can fall into that category. So it's something for us just to be sensitive to as we are living as disciples of Jesus Christ. We've said that truth always places a demand on us because truth is truth. And so we, we, whenever we're confronted with truth, whenever we encounter truth, might be a softer way to say it, we have a choice to make. Do I accept that truth? What's my attitude there? Do I grab hold of that truth and pull it into my life? Am I excited about that truth, even if it's uh, uncomfortable for me at the moment and is going to demand change in my life? If I believe that God's word is truth, that God has my best in mind, that uh, it, his, his word comes into my life to liberate me and set me free, then I'm going to embrace that truth. And I might not even know how to embrace it. I might not know how I'm ever going to, you know, bring that truth in and let it have all of its way in my life. I might not know where that's headed. I just make the choice right there to say, yes, Lord, I see that. That's your word. And I submit to it. I yield to it. Holy Spirit, come and work that into my life. That's the proper response to truth. But we always have to make a choice. And essentially, we make a judgment. We, and again, I mean, I've said this to you guys a lot of times. The Bible does not tell Christians to never judge anything. It actually tells us to judge things. It tells us to uh, um, discriminate, dissect, to look at things and adhere, grab hold of what's from God and reject what is not. Truth always forces that. You, it, in, in order to accept one truth into your life, and to allow that truth to displace whatever you used to think or believe, okay? Because that's what it'll do. It will displace or replace what we used to think was true, okay? And, and it's only when that happens that we find that freedom that Jesus is talking about in the first place. And it's only when that happens, when we allow that to happen, we make that judgment, we say, you know what? I see this in the word, 
I, I thought life worked this way, but God's word says it works this way. So I'm going to allow that truth from the word to displace what I used to think. And again, from that point, there's often a process of that working itself out in your life. And the Holy Spirit is so good about showing us the details and the nuances of that and, and showing us, oh, no, see, you're, you're thinking like that again. You're, you're missing what I said. You're missing this part of life application of the truth that I just brought to you here. You know, and he'll show us how that actually works. He'll change how we behave. He'll change what we think. He'll change who we are from the inside. That, that has to happen in order for us, Jesus says, to be liberated from bondage. Uh, the other way to think about it is to experience all of the, the blessing, the abundant life that God has for us. And I used this example on you a few weeks ago about this idea. Uh, you know, we talk about renewing our minds. We talk, that's what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit bringing the Word of God, speaking it to us many times in a form that we can really understand, but it's the Word of God, and transforming who we are in the inside so that we think differently, we see life differently, we've got a whole different set of uh, filters going, we're changed. And so we live differently out of that. I, I, I used this example, I had read it someplace and thought it was so good that, you know, there was a period in human history where everybody thought the world was flat. I mean, that's what people believe. We joke about that now, but people believed it. And you can see why. I, I grew up in eastern North Dakota, and it is, I mean, tabletop flat. It, it, there was a big glacier on it for a long time. So it is just flat, flat, flat. And I can remember being a little kid, real young, before school, um, I don't know, three or four or something. And when I used to go out, I thought we lived inside a ball because it's flat and then there's this dome over the top of you, you know? And I thought, you know, here's that blue dome and I, I must have thought the clouds came under, I don't know. But I thought we lived inside the earth. And I can remember my sister, my big sister, who taught me to read and write before school and stuff. Anyway, taking me and showing me a globe and showing me that, no, we live on the outside. And, and explaining that to me because you look around, looks like we live on the inside, you know? And it was the same thing. People are living by the ocean. They're looking out. It looks flat and it probably drops off the edge out there. <laughs> There's something unknown, which is always true about the ocean, by the way. There's always something unknown in there. But anyway, you know, so, so that limited their travel and their experience. Their whole life was limited to the realm that they could see based on that truth. When people started figuring out that the earth is round, that truth had to displace what everybody had always believed. It had to displace the science of the day with truth in order for them, and, and they had to, that had to come in and they had to believe it strongly enough to get money, which apparently was very difficult at times. You had to go to the queen and risk having your head chopped off to get money to build ships and sail out past where everybody thought you fell off the edge of the world. And the ones that believed the new truth 
had a whole different experience. They discovered new lands. They discovered all the rest of this in the, in the earth. And, and the ones who didn't believe it didn't go very far from shore. It's the exact same thing. When the Lord speaks to us, if we want to experience, I'll use the word bounty, the bounty of what he has provided for us, we've got to let his truth displace what we've always believed. And many times the way we were raised, many times things we don't know we believe. You know, we did, I, I didn't know I believed that, but I do. And it's not right. And I have to let that truth come in if I'm going to experience that liberation. I can remember when I first, um, I'd been a Christian for a few years, but when we first went to Believer Center and people started teaching that God wants you blessed in every area of your life, including your finances. Actually, that was the point. I remember Marshall standing up and teaching on God wanting you blessed. He wants you to be a good steward. He wants to grow you in character so that you can handle more and be a bigger blessing to others. But he does want you blessed. He doesn't want you in poverty. It's not his will. I remember, because see, I was still, this was early on. This was the first six months of me going to church. I was still looking for a way out. I was still looking for a way to not have to go to church anymore. So my attitude, and God, it's amazing how good God is. Every time I went, I listened to what he was saying. I wrote down the scriptures. I wrote down the notes because I wanted to find a loophole. I wanted to find a place. And that was my attitude. And God still spoke to me through it. But anyway, I remember that day and I thought, I've got him. Everybody knows, God, that spirituality is linked to poverty. You have to, Christians aren't supposed to have anything. They're supposed to get rid of everything. If anything comes into, of course, I wasn't doing that. If anything comes into your life, you've got to give it away. Otherwise, you know, spirituality is intimately linked to poverty. There are other people who believe that spirituality is measured by wealth. It's not measured by either of those things, by the way. But at any rate, so I went home, I had my verses, I started studying in my Bible and started finding all these verses where God was saying, I want you blessed. I want to bless the work of your hands. I want all these things. And, and so to me, that was, well, here was this truth. And so I'd been satisfied with so little and I didn't have the mindset of God can do more in my life than I can do or I can deserve or any of the things we just talked about with blessing. And he can increase me and I can do more for other people. And that tended toward a greater generosity. You know, it just totally changed my life. And I fully believe this other way, dead wrong. I'd been reading my Bible for years, totally dead wrong. Religion had gotten that into my head. And here came the truth. And it had to displace and replace. You can't, people today are trying to hold contradictory truths. It's why to a lot of us, it looks so crazy. What, what you see people saying and posting online and, you know, and it's like, well, you say this, but you also say this. And those two things are totally opposed to each other. How do you do that? You do that by taking this mindset that nobody can really know what the truth is. There is no objective truth. Just whatever your opinion is, whatever your life says, that's your truth. This is my truth. And so you can kind of hold these things. You don't really adhere to them. When you do that, the Bible says you'll become double-minded and you'll become unstable 
in all of your ways. It doesn't just stay in that one spot. So our attitude has to be, no, I want the lies that I have believed, the things that I've just been wrong about, I want those displaced. I want those replaced by the word. And so every time you get into the word, just have that open heart. Every time you come to church, have that open heart. Lord, speak to me. Train me. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change my mind, which is what the word repent actually means. But it's like, if we don't, if we can't do that, we're going to keep sailing out of our little harbor and fishing the same waters all of our life. We're never going to go across that ocean and experience everything that God has out there. Does that make sense to you? Hope so. Um, all right, let's get into a couple new verses this morning. Um, over in Ephesians chapter 5, you can turn there if you want. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I'm going to have some of these on your screen, but not all of them. It's just too much scripture. We began in, uh, to look at this verse last week where it says, For once you were darkness. Okay, we talked about this last week. God's given us a whole new identity. We do live out of our identity, and that's why the devil attacks identity so much. That's why he's trying to convince people of crazy things about their identity to take because we'll live out of it. The Lord says here, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as, it means live the life of children of light. We're born of light. We're children of light. Light is our, our family, our, our household, all right? The Amplified says, lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit or the effect or the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. The word there is just the word for truth, but the way that it's used in this verse, it comes out trueness of life. In other words, truth is determining your Everything about your life, your attitudes, your choices, all of that, live in trueness of life. That's what children of light do. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of light. Light, light is essentially in the Bible. Light is truth in motion, truth in action. It's, it's the release of God's life and God's influence, whether it's into us or out from us. That's what this term light means. Darkness is that realm of Satan's influence. And where Satan is present, where his influence, where his lies are working, that's called darkness. And where God's spirit, God's word, God's life, God's anointing, God's power, where all of that is flowing, that's the kingdom of light. It's the realm of light. Um. Light speaks of the illumination or the revelation that hits our hearts of that heavenly reality, that spiritual reality. What God says, how it really is, when all this passes away, how it really is. Okay, that's where that influence flows into our hearts. That's light, okay? And when light comes in, just like in the natural world, it breaks the power of darkness. It exposes things. It makes things visible. When truth comes into our life, all of a sudden the things that we thought were right become apparent. 
they, we get revelation. That's why we call it that. Revelation means something that was hidden gets uncovered. It's just like you go into a light, into a room, you flip on the light, all of a sudden everything gets exposed. You can, you can see reality. You can see what's really there, right? Does that make sense? So when light enters our hearts, we see things through God's perspective, through, through God's eyes, and, and darkness or lies that we've believed are exposed in our life. Um, so he says here, you once were darkness, now you are light. That word light, it's, it's not a passive word. And that's why really in some ways this isn't a great example of, of light because it's not just the fact that it lights up the room. It is, it is a word that means to shine or to sound aloud. So, so it's, not just, it's not just passive light in existence. It is light shining. It is light, again, it's energy in motion. It is, it is truth in motion. It's God's influence in motion. This is the picture that the Bible gives us of it. And it includes the idea of sounding out, sounding aloud. Um, it, it speaks. It, it, um, this makes sense. I don't know how else to say it. That's what the word means, to sound aloud. Light, in the biblical sense, actually speaks. It releases influence from the nature of God. And the Bible says you once were darkness, but you are, not you will be someday when you get your act together, okay? Because you're in Christ, you are light. This would be a great belief for us to have. It would be great if we actually believed that scripture. Because then we could be aware of this when we go places Light's going with you. The influence of God is sounding out of your life, even when you're not making a sound. We are supposed to make sounds, okay? We are supposed to declare. We are supposed to talk to people. We are supposed to share openly the gospel of Jesus Christ and our faith and all of that. But even when you don't have that opportunity or when you are just going about your business, your presence in a business your presence in a family gathering, your presence in church, your presence wherever you go, the scripture says you are light being released. When you go, and I would just love for us to be aware of this, something I try and work on. I'm going to walk into the store, light is going with me. Somebody's going to have a better opportunity to know the Lord. Something's going to be broken off of somebody's life. I don't know what it all is, but darkness is going to be broken around me. And that always gives people opportunity. It always gives people an opportunity. Again, that doesn't mean our whole life should be passive and, and we never say or do anything. It just means, I think on top of that, we need to understand the presence of God goes with us. We talk about this all the time. You go out into that community, the presence of God is going with you. All right. Um, he says in verse nine, the fruit, the effect, the product of light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart and trueness of life. Again, I think I said this last week. Once again, we see kindly goodness and truth joined together. They're not in opposition. Don't let people tell you it's hateful to live in the truth, live for the truth, speak the truth. Don't let people tell you that's hateful. It's not. Truth brings life. Truth brings freedom. Okay, lies don't. 
So if I'm going to go around affirming people's lies, I'm not loving them. And there's no discord between, uh, between goodness, love, and truth in the scripture or in Jesus Christ or in God in you. There just isn't any. They're not opposed to one another and the world's trying to sell that so hard right now. Okay. So he says here, you know, going back to this, for once you were darkness, now that you're now you're light. So if we want to live our life speaking the truth in love, one thing we've got to know, do is know and accept who we are in Jesus Christ, who we are today. If we're going to live our life as the Bible tells us, and speak the truth in love, you have to accept who the scripture says you are today. And well, a lot of times what I find is that people get all caught up in, well, I can't say that one thing is truth and one thing isn't because I'm not perfect. Yeah, and yet, I mean, none of us are perfect. And yet God has given this assignment of being the foundation and pillar of truth in the earth to a bunch of continually imperfect people. That was God's decision, okay? He wants to live in us and through us. I'm not saying we shouldn't be changing and we shouldn't be growing. I'm just saying don't use that as an excuse. The fact that you're not perfect and that you're still changing and you're still growing, don't let that keep you from expressing truth and living in truth. People will fall back into this, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I have my own issues and I can never say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. What has God shown you? What, what do you know that the Lord has shown you? What has he demonstrated? What has he done in you? You can live that certainly and your life will, will release light, but you can also say that. You can also express that. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect, but boy, that's a, it'll just keep us silent about Jesus because gee, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not perfect and there are smart people that believe this other way. I don't care. None of them are as smart as God is. So does that make sense to you? Okay. And the other side of that is too, when you're talking to people about what the word says, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, you're not pointing them to you. Hopefully you're not presenting your life as the be all end all of what God can do in a life. You're just sharing what you've got so far. You know, and you can do it that way. You can do it with humility. It's just, you know, we're pointing them to him so that he can work in their life. And he is perfect. So that works. All right. Then we've just got to make a quality decision to invite that light into our lives for ourselves. Let it transform us. And then decide I'm not going to live with the light you've given me under a cover. Okay, again, just we get all these religious ideas. We don't have to be in your face. We don't have to be jerks. We don't have to be any of that that you probably don't like in some of what you've seen in Christianity. So don't be that way, but don't put that light under a basket. It's God has put it in you so that it can liberate other people, so they can give, give light to the whole house. Okay, um, and I think one of the keys in that is just realizing that, you know, I've got to be convinced that truth really sets people free. You've also got to, are you listening to me? You've also got to understand that your responsibility and my responsibility is to welcome light into our lives, welcome the truth and its influence into our lives, and to to live in that, to express that, what we're not responsible for is how other people react to that. 
we're not responsible for how other people, um, you've all had the experience of coming out of a really dark place into the light. What do we do? We squint, we, you know, it, it hurts for a while. So a lot of the people that you share your life with are going to squint. Some of them are going to put on some sunglasses. Some of them are going to put on welder's goggles to try and, you know, keep your light out of their life. That's not your responsibility. And the fact that when you come out of darkness into light, it, it can, you know, we, we can squint. You know, it kind, of, it kind of hurts your eyes at first. You're going to get some of that. We've had situations in our life where we went somewhere. We're not even talking about Jesus. We're not even, we're just there doing something. And a lot of people get real agitated around you. And, and, it's, and I promise we weren't being jerks or anything. Karen was with me, uh, you know. And, but I mean, there's a spiritual conflict going on between light and darkness. So, so don't let that kind of stuff bother you. I mean, I mean, some of that's out there, you know, there's so many situations where I think God's working in somebody's life. They may have a negative reaction. They might respond. I mean, a lot of times I'll post something just, it's not even controversial or contentious, at least not from my view online. And I mean, people blow up. Well, that's not my responsibility. I wasn't there being a jerk or doing anything. I'm just, a lot of times it's just, man, just, you know, love what God is doing. And look at this verse and this is so awesome. And, you know, people are, and usually they unfriend you pretty quick, but I mean, it's just blind eyes, dark eyes coming in and being hit by light. That's not your responsibility. Don't, don't worry about that. You know, we read a couple of weeks ago over in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, or the, the verse there says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Light exposes things. So there are lots of reasons that people resist that. Don't let that bother you. Just enjoy the Lord and don't be a jerk, and, but live openly who you are and who God's uh, creating you to be. Does that make sense? All right. A couple more verses here. We're just going to run through these because I got to get to something else real quick. Um, the rest of this verse, uh, we'll just read through these. The rest of this section in Ephesians 5, uh, he goes on, he says, and try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. So that'd be the will of God. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to him. So again, we're talking about truth invading our lives, uh, being expressed uh, for our life to just be a proof of what God's will is and what God's life is. All right. Verse 11, take no part in and have no fellowship. This is important with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. But instead, let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. So there, there again, you can see there's some conflict here. But what he's telling us is don't sit down to the table with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't sit down to the table and have fellowship with things that you know aren't godly. It's going to be really hard for you to live in the truth and try and carry these different ideas and these different relationships and try to make compromises in your faith. You know, he's saying, don't have fellowship with the, I like that word, enterprises. Darkness is trying to achieve something. 
ideas that are out there that are contrary to Scripture, you should never sit down at the table with. You have no business at that table. God has a table for you, okay? Verse 12, it's, it's a shame even to speak of or mention the things that such people practice in secret. But when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. So where light comes in, it shows what's really real. And that's what makes people a lot uncomfortable. When they're holding to a belief and light comes in and it exposes it as darkness, some people embrace that because they want the truth and some people reject that. All right. It goes on and says, uh, and where everything is visible and clear, there is light. Where everything's visible and clear, there's light. So you know, taking that all together, it's like, don't have fellowship with darkness. Well, one of the places we need to understand that the life of God thrives in light. The things that the devil's trying to do in sin, it thrives in darkness, okay? So we don't want to have fellowship with darkness. And where things are covered and hidden and there's a lot of secrets and that kind of stuff, don't have fellowship with that. If you want in your life to walk in more truth, get rid of the secrets. Get rid of them. Repent of stuff and leave it behind and stop being involved in it. Or if there's somebody that you need to expose that thing to, do it. Because I'm telling you, sin or even just ungodly thoughts or temptations or those kinds of things, they don't live in the light. They get exposed. They get killed. And I've told you this for years and years and years. Early on, this was, you know, years ago, every once in a while, there'd be, there'd be some woman at church who would take an unhealthy interest in me as, you know, they'd come up for prayer or whatever. But you could just tell there was something going on there. Usually she would know and I'd be oblivious. But anyway, um, so there was that. There were a few times, we've been married going on 39 years this year. Uh, there, have been, there have been a few times where I felt an attraction to somebody. And it wasn't anything I was thinking about. wasn't something I wanted. It just happened. First thing I do is go tell her. I just expose it. I say, wow, I felt this. I don't want that. We pray over it. Or honestly, a lot of times we don't. We've both learned. Expose it. It dies. It goes away. And it does. It works. I'm telling you. Well, the stuff, and that's why you should have some good friends that you can expose things to that are walking with God, that are full of life, that can help you. But you just expose it because light kills that stuff. It just kills it. So where there's light, there's going to be transparency. So you want transparency in your life. It doesn't mean you need to get up in public and reveal every sin you've ever had or every everything you're feeling you should have some close relationships where you can appropriate relationships with somebody who's walking with God where you can do those things. All right, does that make sense? All right, let's, let's go and let's uh, go over to Ephesians chapter four, back a chapter. Let's look at a couple of verses here. I want to give you a few practicals with this. <clears throat> and, and what I mean by that is practical things that come up, and this is just a short list of how to to live our lives in this place of speaking the truth, living the truth in love, okay? All right, but Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, this is right after the section that talks about the fivefold ministry and how uh, God has put these gifts to help us grow and all of that. It says, as we give ourselves to those things, it says, then we will no longer be infants. And that does mean little babies that can't eat yet. It means infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. That just describes a life where we can't decide what to believe. And it shouldn't be that hard, honestly. The Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with the truth. You have the word of God. You have believers around you. It's usually that we kind of don't want to give up on something. But there are all these voices. There are people trying to deceive us. There are people with agendas. There's all this stuff out there. It says as we grow to maturity, we won't be bounced around by that stuff anymore. We'll get solid. Uh, We'll get strong in what we believe. It says instead of that lifestyle, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So it goes two ways. The ability to speak the truth in love is a mark of a maturing Christian. Okay, a maturing Christian life. You'll be able to more and more speak the truth in love. Also, speaking the truth in love. and, And again, by that, I don't mean just being in your face with people. I mean, truth is dominating your life and it's communicated in a loving way. Uh, that whole place is a catalyst for growing in maturity. If we keep avoiding speaking the truth in love or figuring out how to speak the truth in love, we stay immature. We just don't grow up. We just avoid every confrontation. We avoid hurting anybody's feelings. We avoid anything that might even... The devil will take you into a place where there are things you will think are going to be a confrontation that somebody was actually really ready to receive that truth. But we back away and God has to use somebody else to get to him because we're so afraid of what somebody... Somebody might reject us. Somebody might uh, have a different opinion. You know, uh, they might think bad of us. It, we've got to get to this point. It's a, it's a catalyst. It's a seedbed for growing and maturity to learn how to have a conversation that's not real comfortable for you and to do it in the love of God to let people know that you love them as you're having that conversation. We've said this before. I want to mention again this morning when it talks about speaking the truth in love. Agape love is self-sacrificial. It lays down its life for others. One of the things that means is we take the risk of rejection in order to bring truth to people because we love them. We want them to be free. We want them to have that bountiful life that Jesus has for them. So we will communicate. We'll pray over it first. We'll spend time. We'll, we'll, we'll ask God to prepare the way, but we will speak to people because we know that the truth will liberate them and set them free. All right? So we will risk our own reputation, people liking us or not, people criticizing us online, whatever it is, we will agape lays down its life to help others. So we, we've got to get rid of our self-interest and, and let the Lord speak through us. And we have to understand, again, that affirming people's sin, trying to make people's sin, trying to build it into public policy so that it's normalized, that's not loving people. That's not helping anybody. All right? So it often takes a lot of wisdom to know how and when to speak the truth in a given situation. And I just want to give you these points uh, real quickly. That These are just the ones the Lord happened to put on my heart about this. I'm going to read them to you for those of you that take notes, and then we'll go through them. Uh, there are issues about relationship. We'll talk about that. Receptivity. 
Okay, relationship, receptivity, foundation, preparation, prompting, opportunity, and tone. This isn't going to take as long as it sounds like it's going to take. Okay, relationship, receptivity, foundation, preparation, prompting, opportunity, tone. Okay? So we're trying to figure out how to speak the truth in love. We're trying to figure out when should I speak? When shouldn't I speak? One of the things to think about is your relationship with this person. Who are you in this person's life? Do you have some, are you somewhere in this person's, for lack of a better term, spiritual chain of authority, chain of command? Have they give? have they opened their life to you for input from the Lord? Are, are you somewhere in that area? Are you, uh, do you hold some kind of a position of mentorship? Or again, they've just opened up to you a bit and, and want your input. Is that there? Do you have that kind of relationship? Or is this just somebody you don't know at all, but you don't like what they're doing? Okay. Having relationship with people, taking time to build relationships. And I know there are situations where you just got to tell somebody now. And we'll talk about that. Sometimes you're going to get a one-shot opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. The Lord will prompt you and you need to do it. But I think especially in this culture, the vast majority of, we could call it evangelism, sharing Christ, sharing who he is with people, happens through relationship. It happens as we know people. Okay, so we need to be building relationships. But so that's the first question. What's my relationship with this person? Receptivity. Is there any level of receptivity in this person's life? Is there any level? Can you sense any openness to what God might say? And then within that sort of, is this this a time I'm just going to sow some seed and that happens a lot. I'm just going to put some seed out there and I know the seed's good. So it's going to do its thing. Am I watering some seed that's maybe I've already put out there, others have put out there, you know. A lot of times we can do that through words of kindness, generosity, or just reinforcing and confirming something that's been said before. Or is there a possibility of actual harvest? You're going to bring them to where this truth is going to break through in their life. You know, there's, there's all of that that goes in, but people have to be receptive. And so the balance we want to hit is not being afraid of rejection and therefore not talking to people about Jesus. But also there are places where you're just casting your pearls before swine. That's a hard thing to say, but I didn't make it up. And uh, and you can tell that. You can tell this would just be, they're just going to trample this underfoot. So I'm going to fall back at that point into intercession for them. I'm not going to give up on them because Jesus doesn't. But I'm going to fall back into intercession. I'm going to pray for them and for an open heart in their life, okay? Foundation, this kind of goes along with, have I established any track record of serving and loving this person right where they are? Is there any foundation in any of this? Have I prayed for them in, in private? Have I listened to them? Have I shown that I care enough to listen even when I disagree? Have I forgiven them if they have hurt me or if they remind me of somebody who hurt me. I need to maybe forgive that person. Have I served them? Have I prayed and said, God, 
you know, I just pray for this person's heart to be softened. I pray for you to go before. I believe you want us to have this conversation. Please open the way. Show me the opportunity. Give me the words to speak. So I'm saying what you want, not just what I think. And create that opportunity. Create that open door. And he, he, he will. But that's, that's building a foundation, especially interceding, laying down your time, your life. God wakes you up in the middle of the night, pray for that person. You get up in the middle of the night, and you pray for that person. You spend that time praying. It's laying a foundation. You still with me? Preparation. Okay, have I sought God about this whole thing? Have I examined my motives? And again, have I interceded for this person? Uh, have I examined my motives? Have I asked God, what do you want to say? It might be totally different than, than what you or I want to say. We think this is the solution. This must be what God wants to address. He has something entirely different in mind. We need to be speaking what he's speaking because that's where the anointing is. All right. So if I examine my motives, do I just want to prove that I'm right? Or do I actually want the best for this person? Prompting. Is the Lord moving me to minister to this person? Okay. Or is it just my own flesh, my own discomfort, my own passion? You know, we can really get into trouble with that. Is the Lord moving me? And I'm not saying you have to wait for a huge sign and, a, you know, all that. We can be too slow on this. But is the Lord actually, are you the one that is supposed to be ministering this person? If not, fall back into intercession because God has other labors that he's sending into him. Fall, always fall back into praying for the person. All right. Opportunity. Okay, again, just talk to you about this. Is this a one-shot deal? Are you sitting on an airplane and you're never going to see this person again in your life? And God is, you're sweating. God is putting it on your heart to talk to this person and, and you're nervous and pretty soon you're sweating and your hands are shaking and what am I going to say and all that. I'm sure none of you ever go through that. But, you know, but it's a one-shot deal. Well, there's not time to build relationship and intercede for a long time and all that. I mean, pray, but then talk to them talk to them. And so often in those situations, if God's actually prompting that, that person has been praying, others have been praying for them, and they are ready to give their lives to Jesus or to hear about healing or to have somebody pray for them or whatever it is. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then the last one is tone, okay? Learn to listen first before you speak, okay? That's easier for some than others, but learn to respond to the Lord and from what the Lord is bringing up in your heart, not just react to the person or the situation or not just have sort of a religious file card system where uh, in this situation, this is what I say. I mean, it's good to know the scripture and know, but we got to listen. And a lot of times our tone is what communicates God's love to people. You might be totally put off by what this person is involved in, but God is not. Jesus died for that person. And he, he doesn't like what they're involved in. But it's not because it disgusts him. It's because, it's because he wants that person to live the abundant life. He died for them to live the abundant life. And so we've got to learn to control our own emotions and our own passion, to have a little self-discipline and speak out of God's heart. Let me read a few verses to you. We're done. I promise. I won't preach. I hope, since I promised. 
I just want to give you these because they're great. You should write them down. Proverbs 18, 13. Okay. I think these are so appropriate for where we live today and the culture we live in. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and a shame to him. You ever been like that? Or do you know somebody like that? Answers the matter before he even hears it. Just reacts. Okay. James 1, 19. My beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, slow to get angry. All right. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26, 27. In your anger, do not sin. You're going to get angry sometimes. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. He is slow to anger, is better than the mighty. He who rules his own spirit better than he who takes a city. He who rules his own spirit than he who takes a city. And finally, my favorite, Proverbs fourteen seventeen. He who foams up quickly and flies into a passion deals foolishly. Okay, it's all around us. You hear one, we get triggered. We're triggered. And so we're gonna puke out everything that we've possibly thought Let's not be those people, okay? Did you get anything out of this today? All right, let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Once again, I just want to pray over every one of us, Lord, that we are people who embrace the truth. I thank you for a people who love you and seek you with all of their hearts. I thank you for a people who give themselves to you and to your word and to your direction and correction in our lives. I thank you for a people that go out into this community as lights in dark places. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you've put your anointing upon us and that your favor goes before us and comes behind us and surrounds us, Lord, that your presence goes with us as we sang this morning that is all around us. And we ask for a greater awareness, Lord. Help us to see what just even just your presence upon us is doing. But Lord, as we go out this week, we choose to go out as lights into darkness. We choose to bring light and life and blessing to people, Lord. And we choose within that to live in the truth, to embrace truth. And we, again, today, Lord, we just open ourselves to you. Every one of us have things in our hearts and minds that that we don't know are incorrect yet, but Lord, we we thank you for the training. Thank you for correcting us. Thank you for bringing us truth. Thank you for continuing to thump our spirits and imprint yourself upon us so that Lord, more and more and more, there is fruit of light. There is an effect of light going off in our lives. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask for great opportunities to minister to people. We Help us not to miss them. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. And uh, if you need personal prayer, come on up and receive that after church. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.